you are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Cornerback Jalen Johnson is the Chicago Bears draft pick most likely to have the biggest impact during his rookie season. Welcome into the Locked On Bears podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I cover the Chicago Bears for Bears Wire. I'm here to bring you your daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. Today, I'll be joined by Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus, who will break down cornerback Jalen Johnson, looking at his strengths and weaknesses, how he fits into this Chicago Bears defensive scheme, what we can expect from him both as a rookie and as his career goes on, and why he was such a good pick with that 50th overall selection. Austin actually got to break down film with Jalen Johnson for their podcast. They went through some of his best plays on the All-22, and he also interviewed uh, Travis Gibson as well. So we're going to get through the whole draft class here with Austin, and I really think you'll enjoy his insight. Joining us now on the Locked On Bears podcast is Austin Gale. He is the Associate Director of Content at Pro Football Focus. He's been heavily involved in a lot of their draft analysis this draft season, and he's a good friend of mine and a compatriot down at the Senior Bowl. We had some uh, fun adventures, some of those later nights during the draft lead-up. So, Austin, I appreciate (laughs) you taking the time to join us. How are you surviving now that the draft season is over, and what do you even do with your life? I mean... I'm glad I'm able to breathe now. I think that's what's great about it. But I think right now, honestly, it's looking at, you know, this upcoming season, planning for this season and putting things in place. I'm really happy about this draft class. I thought PFF's coverage was great. I thought all the coverage was great. It was impressive to see how the NFL, ESPN really rallied to cover this draft. It was a lot of fun. So when does your first 2021 mock draft come out? Oh, I think it's Thursday, actually. <laughs> we, have a, we have a 2021 mock coming out Thursday. Renner's writing it, but I mean, we're talking about it. I mean, it's the classic Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. I, I got to watch this Russo guy from Miami. Apparently he's good. I love Marvin Wilson uh, and uh, the, the Virginia Tech corner, Caleb Farley, dude. That guy is awesome. I thought he was going to declare for 2020. Go watch his tape. He is so fun to watch, so long, aggressive at the catch point. Like I think he's going to be a stud. Well, I still have to catch up on a few of these late-round picks that the Bears made this year, a couple of the offensive linemen that I just do absolutely nothing about. So I'm, I'm still a little bit behind in terms of getting ahead to 2021. And I think you know, it's, it's exciting to see how some of these players that the Bears brought in are, are going to fit in. I know you were a particularly big fan of Jalen Johnson. And before we get into him, let's just start briefly with Cole Komet. I know it was a, a bit of a head-scratcher for some people in terms of adding another tight end into a, a group of 10 tight ends on the roster. But not a lot of guys that are proven talent or, or long-term options there. I guess, what, what's sort of your your takeaway on, on Cole Komet as a prospect, but then also v- draft value at 43rd overall? Yeah, I mean, I got to be honest. I did not love Cole Komet as a prospect. I thought overall it was a very weak tight end class. I, I think people want to say he can be this Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski at the next level, but I just don't think he's the same caliber athlete. I also don't think you saw it a lot at Notre Dame. One of my favorite stats for receiving production is looking at how they performed in single coverage, and that applies to wide receivers, slot receivers, and tight ends. Cole Komet was one of the lowest graded tight ends and and, and lowest yards per out run against single coverage. Like He struggled to create 
separation against you know man-on-man coverage when he actually was asked to separate but you know running against holes in zone and those things like he had success but how how schemable is that like is that more scheme driven or is that talent driven and I'm of the opinion that you can find guys not in the second round later in this draft or even in free agency that can get schemed production like holes in zone and those things that's why I wasn't a huge fan of the Cole Komet pick I think honestly if they went Antoine Winfield Jr. here and then Jalen Johnson I would have been in love with this draft because I also love Trevis Gibson and Darnell Mooney like I think that would have been slam dunks across the board for me Cole Komet a bit of a reach and that doesn't even bring up the, the fact that it's a position of need I mean not a position of need like they have so many tight ends on the roster I was blown away that they targeted tight end with their first pick of the draft yeah it's it's sort of like the kicker strategy from last year, but now with tight ends this year. So I, I guess the the plan right now. But I was glad they at least used one of those second round picks on defensive back. It felt like that's where a lot of the depth was there in the second round. And they got a guy in Jalen Johnson that I know you were a big fan of. You had compared him to Marcus Peters. I had heard during the the live stream on the second round. Why why do you see the Peters comparison, and and, and why were you so high on him in the process? Yeah, I mean, I compared him to Marcus Peters largely because of his instincts. I mean, I talked to this guy and we walked through his five or six best plays from the previous year. And this guy's just smarter than everybody on the football field. Like he he wins with instincts and instincts, in my opinion, is an underrated trait for safeties and, and cornerbacks because instincts lead to ball production. Yes, ball skills are great. Like actually picking the ball off and attacking the ball in the air is obviously needed for that ball production. But like being able to bait quarterbacks into throwing the football and then making a play on the ball is super important. That's something he talked about a ton when I did interview him. It's like it's more than just being a match and mirror corner to like limit throws in your direction. In zone coverage, in off coverage, can you play the pass right to a point where the quarterback does make the throw and you're able to make a play on the ball? I mean, a play that comes up for me is that Washington play. He recognizes the inside splits from the receiver, knows what route's coming, and plays it perfectly enough to jump in front of the pass and take it to the house. Like that's the type of quarterback I want at the next level. And in addition to that, I think he's more scheme versatile than some people give him credit for. Some see him as just a line of this line of scrimmage type of corner, but I think he can play off. I think he can play at the line of scrimmage, great at the catch point, aggressive against the run. I like his effort. Like, I mean, it just ticks all the boxes. And then in addition to that, He's not an elite athlete, and neither was Marcus Peters. Like, Marcus Peters won with his smarts and won with his tenacity and aggressiveness, you know, at the line of scrimmage, et cetera. And I think Jalen Johnson, very similar in that regard. One of my favorite prospects in this class and one of my favorite picks at 50. When I look over some of his games and, and some of the numbers behind it as well, I, I, you know, I notice I think he had, like, you know, four or five pass interference penalties and a couple of downfield defensive holding calls. Do you have any concerns about, you know, it seems like that's common for college cornerbacks to be a little bit handsy coming into the NFL, but do you have any concerns about him, you know, working downfield with that physicality? Uh, yes and no. I mean, if you look at like on passes of 10 plus air yards over the past two years, no cornerback has allowed a lower passer rating than Jalen Johnson. Some of that is because some of those deep passes, he, you know, he came in with a defensive pass interference to limit the play. But I don't think he'll be too handsy at the next level. He takes risks. And like guys with instincts, like Marcus Peters takes risks, you know, like jumps, double moves, tries to make plays there. Like he'll get caught on those a couple times. But I'd much rather have a cornerback that takes risks and looks to go get the football than a guy that plays it safe and gives up a ton of things in front of him like you see on maybe AJ Terrell's tape or even CJ Henderson's tape a little bit hesitant to jump at the football and off coverage I think Jalen Johnson's not hesitant probably needs to learn a bit to how to recover more effectively though I mean you watch that game against Isaiah Hodges bites on the double move he walked me through it he said oh shit I didn't think it was real turned around was able to run back and make a play on that football like that's some of the recovery that you really do see in his tape like I think he's a better athlete that people give him credit for again I I'm not super worried about the handsiness. I think that gets better at the next level. And also, I 
I'd rather have an aggressive corner than a conservative one. Yeah, that that's definitely is a it's something you're willing to sort of risk for the the outcome, especially with a Bears defense that really benefited off that aggression, you know, in 2018 and generating turnovers. But but when I when I plug him into this Bears defense with with Prince Mukamara, when he was in this defense, he was more the up on the line of scrimmage, you know, not always press, but at least you know close. And, and not, not always physically following the guy down the field, but he'd be the up on the last scrimmage. Cal Fuller would be the off. Do you think Jalen Johnson is better working off so he can, you know, keep a, a better look at the quarterback and work off of making his reads that way? Or do you think he's a guy that is better up on the line of scrimmage to be able to just read what the receiver is doing more and, and try and anticipate where the route is going to go? Yeah, I mean, you hit and the key differences there. Like, can he play the quarterback and the receiver and still make, you know, have good production? Or does he need to be locked in on the receiver to have good production? I'd say he can do both. I think it more depends on, like, situation. Like, situation, you see, there's an against Arizona State, Brandon Ayuk, it's like third and six. They have him playing off, knowing that they run, you know, they run a lot of sticks, stick routes there, like right at the sticks, a couple hitches across the board. Him playing off there is a smarter decision. Like, he can jump that ball. He almost had a pick, you know, a pick six on that play. Like, I think it's situationally, how you want to deploy him he can do anything you want I don't think you necessarily need to stick him at any one coverage I think you can play him very much situationally knowing what they're going to throw at him and for that reason that's why he's valuable like scheme versatility is super valuable at all positions let alone cornerback and it kind of feels like there's some possibility to maybe play in the slot I mean would, would you do you think if if for whatever reason he wasn't ready or the Bears had you know, like Artie Burns in Chicago to compete on that outside spot. Do you think he could survive? I mean, given his, does he have enough mobility in the slot to be able to, you know, handle a little bit more space and not be able to use the sideline so much to his advantage? Or is that more of a, maybe only if you're desperate? Uh, so I have a take here, actually. I, I, I think asking cornerbacks that played outside corner in, at the collegiate level that maybe don't have the size or the traits that you want to play outside corner and then kicking them inside can honestly be harder <laughs> than like ha- actually playing outside corner against some of the bigger receivers because you're not used to having so much space on either side of you. Like I think asking Jalen Johnson to play in the slot would be a transition. And in that, in and of itself, would make things difficult for him. I don't think he doesn't have the tools to do it, but like playing slot cornerback is very difficult and in some ways harder than outside corner. Obviously like level of competition is the biggest difference. Like you're going against true number one wide receivers when you shadow receivers in and out of the slot, but like, Slot receivers can be very difficult, especially with the, you know how often 11 personnel is run in today's NFL. Like I don't know how much I would ask him to play in the slot. I'd almost ask him to play one sideline all next year, so that or maybe boundary versus field, something like that, because I just don't feel comfortable like asking him to make that big of a transition. In addition to like the tools needed and the traits needed to excel against shiftier receivers in space. It's something he just hasn't done a ton of, and for that reason, I don't know how confident I would be just sticking him in there that this year. Yeah, you always kind of want to put some of these guys in in the best position to be successful and not force them into anything too foreign to them. And I imagine that's the plan when it comes to some of these later round picks for the Bears as well. You mentioned you were a big fan of Travis Gibson coming out of college. It seems like he's got pretty much all the tools. Is it just a matter of consistency? And, And what would be your confidence level in that consistency developing? Yeah, I mean, with Travis Gibson, he, he was quite simply, like, played out of position at Tulsa. Like, he played inside way more, like, head up or inside the tackles a lot. Like, that's just not – you're not going to be able to pin your ears back and see one-on-ones at the rate he probably wants to 
and needs to at the next level to be successful. So I talked to him about that. I actually interviewed him in the pre-draft process. He said he wants to play more wide nine in the NFL. He thinks that's where he can be most productive. Obviously, he also gave me the cookie-cutter answer of I'll play anywhere for any team. But he, I, I think you can tell he knows he can be more successful playing the wide nine, attacking the outside shoulder of offensive tackles. And you see that juice in limited reps on his tape. Like you see what he can do if you actually ask him to pin his ear back on passing downs outside the tackles. And I think he is a sleeper in the fifth round that could have production as a depth piece, rotational piece for this Bears defensive line. He seemed like a guy that didn't always have, like not that he ever didn't have a plan, but sometimes, and I don't know if it, it was, it was always pad level, but just from different technique variations, it wasn't always the same issue over and over again in terms of cleaning up his consistency in that regard. Do you have, concerns about I mean obviously he was a fifth round pick but do you have concerns about just how well a prospect like this can clean some of those things up I mean he's he's had what almost 700 snaps in each of the last two seasons it kind of feels like he has enough muscle memory and experience that he's how locked into who he is do you feel like he might be Oh, absolutely. I have concerns with that. I think too often is that saying of with NFL coaching, he can get a lot better said without like actually thinking about, okay, but like think of how hard it is to get better at the next level, knowing that he's going against much better competition too. It's like, it's like asking someone to get really good at something, but then also turning it up by 50 notches. Like it is not as easy as it is that blanket statement of like with NFL coaching, his technique will improve. Like, yes, but his competition will improve like at an even faster rate. And with that being said, you're not going to be able to see the changes he's trying to make to his technique, you know, rapidly addressed. And, and, and that's my opinion. Like Ben Banigou is a good example. Like Ben Banigou, a lot of the tools you like probably misused, not taught a ton of technique at TCU. And you're like, oh, with NFL coaching, he could be special. Year one, you still see some of the flaws because like it's so hard to like drastically improve your technique while also trying to like prepare for the next level, like next level speed, like NFL caliber competition. So like Travis Gibson is going to have a learning curve. Like it's going to be steep for a while, but I, I do think he's capable of eventually overcoming that with maybe one, two years of NFL coaching and like really pushing himself to kind of get better and, and be with that caliber. Do you think any of that comes from the perception of like? Not that Tulsa is a tiny school, but just that it's not, it's not you know, one of the big powerhouse programs necessarily. Do you think there's some unfair association with, well, a kid coming out of Tulsa, it, you know, well, he couldn't have been coached that well because he played at Tulsa? A lot of that's unfair. Like, I would say TCU hasn't coached well, and they're a bigger school. The bigger problem is that you spend so much time at the collegiate level teaching scheme that you don't have opportunities to teach actual technique. Like it's very rare that, you know, these players are given an opportunity to actually learn pass rush moves, learn moves to like benefit their individual games. It's more often that it's install schematic type of coaching. Like I remember talking to trying to think of who it was, Alex Highsmith. Like Alex Highsmith didn't have like a real good positional coach until his this past year, season. It's a big reason why he went from three sacks to 10 or 11 sacks this past year. Like they brought in a coach from Minnesota who like actually taught him pass rush moves, actually taught him how to bend the edge, actually taught him how to beat good offensive tackles. Like you, until you get those coaches that are willing to invest time with you to teach more than just scheme, like actual pass rush moves. Like a, another example is Josh Allen. Go back and listen to some of the interviews with Josh Allen. You'll find that he didn't have an actual pass rushing coach until his final year at Kentucky, and that's when he blew up. Like You need coaches that are willing to invest in you beyond teaching you the scheme and teaching you how to play the next opponent. Like You need coaches that are willing to invest in you and your skill set specifically. You know, it, it feels like that's 
not only what the Bears envisioned for Gibson, but hearing Matt Nagy talk about Darnell Mooney after the draft and feeling like there's this vision and this investment that they want for a speedy receiver in this offense. I believe you said he was one of the other guys in this class that you were particularly high on. Is is there more to this than just he's really fast and can run by people? I think the other part to it is that he's a lot like uh, KJ Hamler just at a smaller school. Like, I mean, Darnell Mooney doesn't have great ball skills. You're going to have to live with drops. But if you want like that vertical slot, that guy that can like push the field and, and force the difference defense to act differently because of his speed, like Darnell Mooney is that like, and that's what you're like looking for in a vertical slot is a guy that maybe it, you know, especially in the fifth round, a guy that maybe doesn't have great ball skills, isn't going to catch everything thrown his way, but it's going to threaten defenses in a similar way that Nico Hardman can do in the slot for Kansas city when Tyree kill isn't on the football football field. And I think it's, he's going to be used very similarly to how KJ Hamler is used in Denver, pushing the defense to cover vertically from the slot. And I think Darnell Mooney can do that. When it comes to somebody like Mooney, is there more to it than just being fast? I mean, like, as far as, like, stacking receivers downfield or stacking defensive backs downfield and, like, being able to sort of, you know, there's a difference between, like, the ball skills, of course, and the drop passes, which are going to come. But, like, as far as, like, shielding, you know, shielding the ball away from his target, if he's going to be kind of running underneath it, I mean, does does he have the the nuance in his game to be the small things yeah. I, I don't know I, I don't know if he does I, I I think he's that's another thing he probably needs to learn I also don't think he has a ton of experience playing against good cornerbacks that can stick with him or defenses that know like to, to kind of go on him like he did not see a ton of press coverage reps like he's going to see more press coverage at the next level he's going to see tighter coverage at the next level I mean it makes it difficult to kind of watch tape like Daryl Mooney's where or Darnell Mooney's where you're seeing very bad defenses go against him and try and find creative ways to defend him, but rarely ever single him up. And when you don't see that one, those one-on-one reps, this is a guy I would have loved to see at the senior bowl, see him kind of go against one-on-one, go in one-on-ones and see how he performed against press coverage. But you just didn't see that on his tape. Like I think if KJ Hill, though he did go in in the seventh round, I guess I don't know how much he improved his stock, but like, I think if KJ Hill didn't go to the senior bowl, I don't even know if anyone's talking about him because I don't think I see a single press rep on his on his tape like Darnell Mooney very similarly you just didn't see him beat a ton of one-on-one coverage and with that it's hard to glean that information of whether or not he has the nuances in his game does that kind of make sense yeah absolutely okay. I mean, it's one of the big challenges of this pre-draft process especially in a in a coronavirus draft with even the teams not having as much access to some of these guys it becomes that much more difficult uh, any any other overall big takeaways from this Bears draft I know you're a big fan of the Jalen Johnson pick in particular as being probably the best value spot there but any other uh, overarching thoughts on on the draft or any other prospects or undrafted free agents that caught your eye I mean, name scouting, they did a great job. Kendall Vildor, Arlington Hambright, Lacavia Simmons. I don't I don't think I watched any of that. I think a little bit of Vildor, but did not love his tape. But those last two guys, I did not watch a ton of. Me so either. they went deep into the name scouting. I, I think the bottom line is I was really impressed with the picks they made with Jalen Johnson, Gibson, and Mooney. I think Cole, you changed that Cole Komet pick. I think uh, Sam wrote an article this morning, talk, or Sam Monson, he wrote an article about swapping out some of the biggest perceived reaches for different players. And he had Denzel Mims going to them at 43. Like, I would have loved that pick. Like, a Denzel Mims, Jalen Johnson, Trevis Gibson, and Darnell Mooney. Like, you're talking about picks that PFF would have been much higher on. It's the Cole Komet pick that kind of drives this class down. I think our draft grade for them was it still a B plus. But again, it's that Cole Komet pick. 43rd overall pick, you can get better value. And when I went on the rant about Cole Komet, didn't even bring up positional value. Like tight end is not one of those positions I want to draft early because it's rare you see tight ends really succeed on their rookie contracts. It's rare that tight ends deliver well above expectation compared to wide receivers. And for that reason, I think they would have been smarter to go after a different receiver, maybe Denzel Mims like Sam suggests. 
Yeah, and it's hard for tight ends to stand out when there's nine other ones under contract. They're down to very true, very true. <laughs> they've released one after the draft, so there's only nine under contract now with with Komet counting. So they're they're slowly but surely weaning off of their tight end addiction. There, there's a meme in play for like something about the Bears tight ends when they draft Gold Komet, like all fifty of them in the same room, kind of looking at each other. I think there's something out there that should happen uh, for those Bears tight ends. That was the first joke that came out after the draft was that in in Illinois the Bears tight ends couldn't all meet in the same room because it'd be in violation of the safe at home home order so that's great that's great i'll take that one i think that one's good <laughs> well austin you had mentioned uh, that you had talked to jalen johnson i know and i know you had also talked to travis gibson uh tell everybody where they can find those from a podcast standpoint and what other sort of content you guys are working on as a as the what associate director of content at pro football focus yeah, I mean, check out uh, Mike and I's podcast. Mike Renner and I both do a podcast that's two-for-one drafts. We've been really happy with the feedback we've received. I do a ton of player interviews for that, so Mike and I will ramble about prospects, and then I'll stitch in player uni- interviews after that. We've also talked to a ton of draft analysts, guys on our own team, Kevin Cole, Seth Kalina, also Danny Kelly of The Ringer of Late. A lot of good stuff on that podcast. I'd also recommend go to pff.com. Right now, Draft 2020 saves you 30% off on an Edge or Elite annual subscription. We also have a bunch of free content that's very good. Kevin Cole has set the city of Philadelphia on fire talking about the Jalen Hurts pick and how much he loves it. So uh, a lot of good stuff on pff.com right now. Yeah, I see. I, I'm team Jalen Hurts to the Eagles as well. So I was glad Kevin is putting that all together and uh, putting the takes out there for the people. You need the takes, man. You need the takes. <laughs> well, thank you for providing us with your takes, Austin. And I'm sure uh, you'll be ready for the 2021 draft in a few weeks. Of course. No problem. Thank you. Thanks again to Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus for joining us on the podcast today. If you enjoyed our conversation, make sure that you subscribe to the Lockdown Bears podcast to keep up with all of our daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. We're going to keep breaking down these Bears draft picks into next week before we really start looking ahead at the offseason to follow, what it's going to look like with everything else going on in the world, and very least, an early look at what the 2020 season could have in store, assuming it's played with some sort of regularity in terms of schedule and rosters and opponents and all that good stuff. So we'll have more Bears talk coming for you to help get you through the week, get you through these dog days of summer with no football and right now no other sports on the television. So I appreciate everybody who's been following along and listening in every single day. I hope this podcast is able to provide you a little bit of a relief, a little bit of a break, a little bit of an escape from everything else that you're dealing with in your life. And at the very least, you can finish it every time with one good opportunity to bear down.